0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons, Bible teacher and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: Hi, my name is Stan Pons, and I'm the host of Make It Clear and the president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida. Thank you for listening to the Daily Bible Teaching here on Make It Clear. From time to time, I want to bring to you Bible teachers and friends from seasons of yesterday and today who had a great influence in my life, hoping they'll add value to yours as they did mine. Well, today's guest Bible teacher and author is Dr. Mark G. Cameron. As a young boy, he came to faith in Christ through the ministry of Billy Sunday, and then later in life, he worked side-by-side with W.B. Riley and the Northwestern Bible Schools in Minneapolis and then with Lee Roberson at Tennessee Temple in Chattanooga. Then Dr. Cameron became the vice president of Florida Bible College when it began in 1962. Did you know he was one of the most popular Bible teachers at Florida Bible College? Because of his love for Jesus Christ, his love for the Word of God, his love for Jewish people, founding Seaside Mission to Jewish people in Miami, and of course to all of us as students. We'll never forget his love for his beloved wife, Miss Mary. I learned Bible doctrines and hermeneutics from his class at Florida Bible College and from his books. And today, my friends, I am happy to have you listen to one of his past messages, and hopefully you'll be as blessed from it as I was. But here's my guest today, Dr. Mark G. Cameron. Isaiah
2: the 11th chapter, Isaiah the 11th chapter. We find in Isaiah 66, however, the eighth verse says, Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children." Now over here in the 11th chapter, we are speaking here of Israel's regathering into the land. Oh, we have seen great things since 1948 when Israel has been recognized by the United Nations and the nations of the world. This past uh, few weeks we were over there in Israel and we got to see some of the kibbutz, that's their communal farms that we had heard about but never been in before one was right across from uh, Tiberius over on the east bank and there we found out that this caboose was made in 1937 this is one of the caboose that the Jordan uh, army just locked their shells in every once in a while then of course we went through the caboose down there at the south end of the Sea of Galilee that was built first in about 1901 or 1905 it's the oldest one there now Israel's in the land. She has her capital with the set T, That same as the, our Parliament or English Parliament, not Congress. And so we find out that they have a government. They have a Prime Minister. They have a President. And so we find out that everything seems to be going all right now. They have an army. They have a navy. They have an air corps. And uh, we saw many, many other soldiers on maneuvers all through the land. Now, is this the less regathering of Israel? Are they there to stay? Now, here's some startling things we're going to find out. Now, you'll find out whenever God says about things being born, he's talking about being born spiritually. Israel today is not born spiritually. Eighty percent of those in the Holy Land at this very moment are atheists about atheists, declared to be atheists. No religion whatsoever. Shall we begin there now at the first verse of the 11th chapter that speaks of uh, the time that when Israel be in the land never to be taken out again. You can never have Israel in the land and a rebirth apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no new birth, whether it's individual or as a nation, apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now we find out this, that truly the Messiah is going to be a Jew. We find he's going to be of the tribe of Judah. We find out that he is going to be, therefore, of the family of Jesse. And Jesse had eight sons. Then we find out that one of his sons was to be the father of the seed, keeping on going down. That was promised To uh, Adam and Eve in the garden, where the seed of the woman shall bruise the serpent's head, salvation all there. Finally, we find out that it's David, the eighth son, through whom will therefore uh, the uh, seed shall come. Now here you are, and the Spirit of the Lord shall shall rest upon him. This is the Lord Jesus. This is the rod uh, of uh, of. The branch and the stem of Jesse. Now here we find out this is no one else but the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, and shall make him a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity for the meek of the earth, and he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. And righteousness shall be the girdle of his lawns and faithfulness the girdle of his reins. Look at now the animal kingdom during the millennium when Israel is regathered. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb and the leper shall lie down with the kid and the calf of the young lion and the fattening together and the little child shall lead them and the cow shall... Uh, and the bear shall feed, their young one shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, and the suckling child shall play on the hold of the ass, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice's den. That's not that way in Israel right now. All right. They shall not hurt nor destroy all my holy mountain, my government. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. That's not yet. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse, which shall stand up for an ensign, or a banner we say, an ensign of the people, to it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which will be left in, from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pethos and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an insight for the nations, shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth The envy also of Ephraim shall depart from the adversaries of Judah, shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. Ephraim means the ten upper tribes. Now, God says that there's going to be a day when he's going to gather them all together. And the glory of the Lord shall cover the earth as waters cover the sea. And he's going to gather them back the second time. Well, Brother Cameron, haven't they been gathered back several times? Did you know since the time of the uh, the division of the kingdom of, of Rehoboam, when Jeroboam became the king of the ten upper tribes and Jeroboam remained the king of the two lower tribes, and then we find out they went on and on, and God sent prophets unto them. Finally, he sent the Assyrians to come in 725 uh, B.C. and took the ten upper tribes. A hundred and fifteen years later, we find out that they sent Nebuchadnezzar to come and take the two lower tribes into exile. Now, as far as the ten upper tribes, God never gave the number of years that they'd be there. But we find uh, that in Jeremiah, he told us how long that the two lower tribes would be in, uh, in Babylon. He said 70 years. Remember reading the ninth chapter of Daniel when he said, I began to read the scriptures, and he began to read... The uh, the scriptures spoken of by Jeremiah that the accomplishment of the uh, dispersion of Israel would be for 70 years. Then I set my face and I began to confess my sins and the sins of my people. Right then and there, we find out that the 70 years were over. Daniel was a very, very old man. He went there as a young man with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and Ezekiel. And now 70 years have passed, and he read the word of God, and he knew it's time to go home. But God tells him in the last two verses there the book of Daniel that he would never get back to the promised land in this life. But he says, go and rest, die, and in the latter days thou shalt stand up in thy lot. In other words, you're going to have your possession again, Daniel. You certainly will, but not right now. Now, as we get here, we begin, we, we just thrill at the fact that Israel is a nation again. Some people call us a Zionist that we are so glad that they're there. But we're like G. Campbell Morgan who many years ago said this, that Israel wanting to be a nation, anything that they do is not God-directed as far as the government is concerned. How true it is. Did you know that there There, as we say, 80% of the Jewish people in all of Israel are atheists. Did you know that 20% of them are what we call the Orthodox, the old-style Orthodox? These people, I never knew this till this past February from their own magazine that I get every month. This group of 20% of Orthodox have never recognized their own nation of Israel. They never have. They say this, this is man-made, true. And they says the true Israel will be established by the Messiah. True. That's when a nation shall be born in a day. That's when there'll be no atheism whatsoever. That's when they'll never need, therefore, to have their armies anymore. They have them now, but they'll beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. But not now. Now, God says he's going to bring them back the second time. Now, when did he bring them back the first time? Well, under Moses, took them out out of uh, Egypt, and by Joshua, who took them across the West Bank. Now, that was the first time. we just like to just give you these kind of figures. As best as we know, as we find out just how many men of war were there, and uh, we put uh, the, uh, the mathematical probability of every family, we found out that there were over 600,000 fighting men twenty years old and upward, they came out now that's a real army did you know going ahead and putting four, four, four point small uh, uh, ratio there we found out that they had around two million four hundred thousand that came out of Egypt by Moses now when they were there for forty years we find out that that great number of fighting men just depleted just a few hundred. But then we find out that Joshua took them across Jordan there into the promised land and captured the land. And the number of the people at that time were approximately 2,400,000. Now, we find out that right now, how many is over there? 2,400,000. Now, as we go on, we just find at the time Uh, of the coming back from Babylon and uh, 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 Assyria. Now, many of them begin to come back. We find out that there was less than 50,000 that came back under Zerubbabel, Ezra, and later on, several years later, by Nehemiah. Now, as they came back, there's less than 50,000. There are around 20 to 30 million that were taken in these two deportations. One by by Sargon, the Assyrians, the other Nebuchadnezzar, of uh, the Babylonians. Now, when they went over, then God says he's going to gather them back the second time. He told them they'd come back in 70 years, which they did, only 50,000. Did you know from that point, which is around 500 B.C., that all of Israel has never been brought back to the land as yet? Uh, at the time of the Lord Jesus, they, that 50,000 began to multiply, and for 500 years, you know how many were there when Jesus Christ was here upon this earth and had his minister to them? 2,400,000. Now, you know, I don't know what that uh, magical number is. 2,400,000 came out of Egypt. 2,400,000 went into the Promised Land of Joshua. 2,400,000 that were there at the time of Herod and the Lord Jesus how many are there now? Two million, four hundred thousand. Oh, I don't know what that magical number is. But that's not all of Israel. That's not all of Israel yet. All of Israel has never been brought back to the land. Did you know at the time of the Babylonian captivity, when uh, when Daniel said he saw there was time to go home, and then we find out they begin to come back, the, the wealthy people stayed in older Syria and Babylon. They sent the poorest back home. And that's exactly what has been done in all of the science move since 1900. You'll find uh, that uh, the wealthy people of America and the wealthy people of England are sending money and money and money. They're not going. Many times I stand before my crowd uh, on Wednesday night and say, "Why don't you go to Israel? Why don't you?" They laugh. I was talking to uh, the people that I take my dry cleaning. Jewish people have been there for ten years, and they begin to say that they have a nephew that's working there in Israel today. They said that must be a call of God, not me. Said, "Now that may be their nation, but says, you know, this is my nation. America's my nation. This is my home. This is where I want to live. This is where I want to die." Now, all of the Jews want to be in Palestine. If it was so, if this was the last we gathered, they'd be all there. They'd all be going back, but they're not there. They're doing everything they can to get Jewish people back. Ben-Gurion one time says, you're not a Jew unless you live in in Israel. We we find out that they have so many poor that they have... at one time they tell me they have 300 cabooses. This time they said they had 240. That's these communal farms, sim. Men and women come there from all over the world, and they've been doing it since 1901. And we find out the very poor have come, especially after the time of the World War II. They came in by the droves, and they put them in these farms. Now we find out this, that they were given a place to live. And we found out that they had the communal dining room, they had the communal nursery, they had the communal uh, theater, and so forth like that. Now, we find that, that when the children get uh, at a certain age, they allow their children to go and to live in dormitories, and they have their uh, just man and his wife there. They live there, they die there. So, And we find out that 25% of the army comes from the kibbutzim, and we're told that 25% of their casualties during this last war were those young men that come from the caboose we have seen them in the different times that we've been there digging up the remains of some of their soldiers and bringing them back to be buried on the the plot of the ground of the caboose they were born there and therefore they want to be buried there they love it that way now we find some very wealthy Jewish people there's one Jewish man here in the city of Hollywood a very old man that I love so many years. He has gone there. He's gone to Mount Carmel. Now that's where you have your condominiums and your beautiful apartments. This is where the wealthy of America and England go and they, they just pay rent. You can't buy what you say real property because the, the, the country owns it. You can rent it or lease it. And here they have this till they die. Now that's number one. Number two, economy, we find out, are those who are practicing socialism have to because they they uh... they have nothing of their own they work all year they get their food they get their clothing they get their copes, they get their their medical attention they get their entertainment and then at the end of the year they give them the great huge sum of $9. Now that's theirs, to do whatever they want to with it. You know, our people said, my goodness, work all year for $9? I wonder how many of us have $9 at the end of the year. Amen. Well, well, anyway, I mean, clear, clear. Uh, and so, so now that's the way they get uh, the very poor from all over the world to come. The Americans have come, and we know they've, they've tried it six months. Many of them have gone ahead and tried it at fruit-picking time and so forth. But they come back. Uh, uh, The American Jewish people, very few, are over there living. Now we find out to get these uh, upper crust uh, Jewish people, young people of America, who are either just married or have a a small family from England and America. They are way down the Negev section, down in Beersheba. We find out that they have these big, beautiful apartments furnished. And they are given an apartment, furnished and all, to any young couple with their family or going to have a family to live there it's given to them free they give them jobs and they give them wages they can go to the market buy their own food and bring it to their own home and cook it now that's not socialism there that's what we call capitalism so they have every kind of an accommodation to meet the need of the people there but all no, no faith in God very few very few uh, synagogues there is nothing is said about God. Here we find out that this gathering here is not what God says He's going to gather them back the second time. Now they came back 70 years after the, the fall of Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, but only 50,000 of nearly 20 to 30 millions came back. And at the time of the Lord Jesus they multiplied into 2,400,000, then at the time of Titus they were scattered again. Now. They are back in the land starting back there in the early 1900s and uh, since 1948 have been recognized as a nation. But all oh, they are appealing to the uh, to the Jews of the world to come and come and get in there. But you know what? No, it's the folk very poor that go there and stay. It's the wealthy who stay here. But you know what? There's going to come a time when God's going to gather them all back to the land. He's going to gather them back, and it says his, that, the, that this wonderful Savior, the Lord Jesus, is going to be an to the Gentiles, and in Him shall the Gentiles rest. And the Septuagint verse says, in Him shall the Gentiles trust. Now that is in the millennium. Now what about right now? What about right now? There's no religion. There is no fear of God before them. They talk about our great tanks. They talk about our great uh, aviators. They talk about their great generals. They talk about their great accomplishment. But there is no glory given to the Lord. Now, we find out that that the tension has been less so much in the land. They do not have enough Jewish people to take care of all the jobs. So they are having these Arabs to come back and giving them jobs. They put them under surveillance, of course, and... uh, Here, while we were in Jerusalem, we were in, uh, uh, taxi cabs that were driven by Arabs, and our guide was Arab and took us all over for nearly seven days, all over the place where before they would not let anyone go but a Jewish guide and a Jewish driver. But they don't have enough people to take care of all the jobs. As, as far as uh, the tension concerned, we don't feel it there. But all on the other side, uh, there, like in Jordan, and so forth, we find out that they have not forgotten the war. They have not forgotten how they were humiliated, and as the the Japanese say, lose face uh, in before the whole people. And there is still the hope of retribution. There, oh my, we could just go on and on and tell you what preparations that the Arabs still have. The Jewish people are there. You say, well, they're there to say, no, no. Remember, the tribulation's yet to come. We find out this, that that not only will the tribulation come, but the Antichrist is going to come. Let us begin to find out some of these things that's going to be yet to happen to Israel. Will you look over here to Ezekiel, the 20th chapter? Ezekiel, the 20th chapter, and we find out that how many are going to be killed yet in the world. Ezekiel, the 20th chapter and the 37th and the 38th verses now this is talking about those that are outside of Israel the land of Israel in Ezekiel that's page 861 we begin with the 37th verse and I will cause you to pass under the rod now what does this mean that sounds like they're going to get beat no Under the rod means tithing process. Leviticus 27 told uh, uh, the children of Israel how they must tithe, how they could tithe uh, their, their flocks and so forth. They said, count nine, and then when the tenth one comes, put the rod under it, let that tenth one pass under the rod, and then mark it, it was the Lord's. In other words, God says, I'm going to cause you to pass under the rod. Well, where did the other nine tenths go? To slaughter, of course. And that is their staple meat, Arab and Jew today. Meat market after meat market after meat market. You know, very little refrigeration. So they go ahead and kill a sheep or a goat, hang it up, first come, first serve, take your pick, you know. They just gouge it out, you know, till it's gone. And uh, that they just eat it, eat and eat. all oh, my, they have plenty of meat, very little beef, But the goat and the uh, sheep is a staple meat. And uh, we found out Oh my Of all the places that we saw, we find that they bring their sheep and their goats there at the sheep market. And every Friday morning, a huge crowd where they are selling. And we saw them as the men bought them, taking them on hook and letting them. We knew that they were going to take them to slaughter. Nine-tenths, God says, of oh, the Jewish people are yet to see slaughter throughout the world. Nine tenths, and I will cause you to pass under the rod, and I will bring you into the bond of the covenant, and I will purge out from among you the rebels. This is when the Lord Jesus comes, and then them that trespass against me, I will bring them forth out of the country where they sojourn, and they shall not enter into the land of Israel. And ye shall know that I am the Lord. Nine tenths are going to be destroyed, but one tenth shall come out. The sixth chapter of uh, Isaiah tells us that one-tenth shall come out. Now this, how many do we have in the world today? Oh, you say around uh, 16 million. All right. God says that only 1,600,000 are going to come out of the tribulation. And we believe with all our hearts that this is right upon us right now. Now let's find out how many Jewish people are going to be killed in the land. Let's go to Zechariah. Zechariah, the thirteenth chapter. Zechariah, the thirteenth chapter. That's getting at the end of the book back there. All right, page 978. Now, now God lets us see, and I want to say this, I've got some commentaries that are very old, a hundred years old or more. And these dear men of a hundred years never knew so much of the Scripture about Israel. They never thought that Israel would ever be a nation again. I, I, even in 1940s, I've got books in my library where men said that Israel will, has never been a nation, neither will ever be a nation since the fall of Jerusalem. But she became a nation in 1948, did she not? And and it's just just uh, 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 ludicrous to hear some of these men give their interpretation of the scripture I was going to give you. All through Zechariah, uh, like this man writing over a hundred years ago says, now this could not refer to Israel because Israel will never be a nation anymore, but whom it is speaking about, I do not know. Well, it's talking about Israel. Isn't that wonderful? Aren't you glad you're living in this last day? Oh, where all these things, when it talks about Israel, it's talking about Israel. How marvelous it is. It was Mr. Spurgeon, who about a hundred years ago said this. I never will forget that he got one scripture. He said, They that dwell in darkness have seen a great light. He said, have you ever been on an ocean liner and uh, in a storm at sea late at night and all of a sudden there's a rift in the cloud and the moon shines right through it? He said, that is the picture that we have here. The people that sit in darkness have seen a great light. He said, we know that this scripture speaks of Israel being born in a day one of these days, but as it seems right now, that it's a long way off. We are going to apply it to anyone that's lost in sin and sees the light of the world, the Lord Jesus, and believes in him. Now, that's perfect exegesis. Mr. Spurgeon believed that the Jews would be back into the land. He never saw it. We find out this that so many of these wonderful speakers, like Billy Sunday. Oh, my, you ought to read his message. The Jews are going to be back in the land and be a nation. But he never got to see it. Oh how marvelous it is that we are living in these last days and just seeing and culminating what all of these great giants are given to us here, there and so forth, putting them all together and just see just very little has to be done. Now over here in Zechariah the thirteenth chapter in the eighth or the ninth verses, you'll find it speaks about those that are in the land. Now you take fifty years ago, there were not there was not a nation. And very few Jews in the land. But look there at the 13th chapter, and the 8th and 9th verses tells you how many will be slaughtered during this coming tribulation. And it shall come to pass in all the land, the land of Israel, saith the Lord, two parts therein shall be cut off and die, but the third part shall be left therein. And I will bring the third part through the fire and refine them as silver is refired and will try them as gold is tried they shall call on my name and I will hear them I will say it is my people and they shall say the Lord is my God so here we find that two thirds of the Jewish people in the land will be destroyed now we've already found out this now if the Lord Jesus should come right now we could tell you how many Jewish people would come out alive out of the tribulation should he come now should he delay the coming, we know this, that that number can increase or decrease depending upon whether they have more persecution or whether they increase in their population. But if the should the Lord come right now, we do know this, that there are 16 million in the, the world outside of Israel today. God says one-tenth shall come through, so one million, six hundred thousand should come. Now, should the Lord come today... There As there are 2,400,000 right now there, God says one-third shall come out. That's one-third of 2,400,000. How many? 800,000. Plus 1,600,000 makes what? 2,400,000. I don't know whether that's going to be that figure or not, but there's something in that 2,400,000 came out by Moses. 2,400,000 went into the promised land by Joshua. 2,400,000 were there at the time of the Lord Jesus. 2,400,000 are there now. Oh, why not 2,400,000? I'm not saying that, but I can see where it could be should the Lord come at this very moment. Now, they are going certainly to be be uh, dist- destroyed as never before. They're going to be taken off the land again. Think of it. Two-thirds are going to be killed in the land. Nine-tenths of the Jewish people are going to be destroyed throughout all the world. We found that in the 12th chapter of Revelation where the, the Satan comes and he sees that he has only a short time and he goes out, therefore, to kill the woman, Israel, and those who have the testimony of the Lord Jesus and what persecution that's going to be during the Great Tribulation the last three and a half years. Oh, what a terrible plight. Israel there, they're saying, we're here to stay. No more to leave. Oh, my. First, and I will pour upon the house of David and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and of supplication. And they shall look upon me whom they have pierced. And they shall all mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. And he that is in bitterness for him as one that is in bitterness for his firstborn. And over here in the 13th chapter says, In the sixth verse, And one shall say unto him, What are these wounds in thy hands? And he shall answer, These with which I was wounded in the house of my friend. Oh, when the Messiah shall come, And they shall look upon it. But God says now in Isaiah, He's going to gather them back the second time. Oh, what a glorious time. He's going to bring them back. They were ready to perish in Egypt, in Assyria, and everywhere. He's going to bring them back. Now, they, they are not all in the land, but this time he's going to bring them all back into the land. We find out in Ezekiel 20 where he says, I'm going to cause you to pass under the rod. And he says, and them that have trespassed my government, my covenant, I will take them out of the land where they sojourn, but they shall not come into the land of Israel. He's going to have judgment upon them right then and there. Showing to the, what, what do you mean transgress my covenant? When they take the mark of the beast, and worship the Antichrist. They have no hope whatsoever. Now, as we go here, and we find out Israel law going on them, we say, a boy, play ball, Israel. And we cannot help but be for them, but we know the tragedy that in store for them. They're going to be scattered from Israel, and the Lord Jesus said this, When ye shall see the abomination of desolation as spoken of by Daniel the prophet, flee to the mountain. Over in the 12th chapter of Revelation, it says this, that God has a place to, prepared to feed them for three and a half years in the wilderness. Take the wilderness and the mountains, put them together, and we know it's the place of Moab, uh, Ammon, and Edom. I cannot help but believe, after going through Petra again, that this is going to be one of the greatest strongholds all the the remnant who shall flee Mrs. Nader said in this most wonderful place says God give them air condition in the winter those three and a half years in the winter these caves are warm and in the summertime the caves are cool perfect place for his people you know we begin to say how are they gonna flee out of Jerusalem how are they gonna flee and get that way down there to Jericho 20 some odd miles away you know, we've been I didn't know how, and I still don't know exactly how, but I can see the plausibility of one way of getting there. Doctor Stamp and I when we got there seven years ago, and we got this guide and we got to see him again this year, right under his house, his house is upon the wall, and we say at the base of the wall, and he wanted to take us there, but we didn't have time, and we could kick ourselves time and time again that we did not go, but this year we did. The other times, they had it sealed up and would not let anyone go see it. The quarries of Solomon. Right under there, this was a huge cave and had just a small entrance. And you go into this cave, it's the most beautiful uh, marble and, and rock you've ever seen in your life. We find out this, that he got this out for his temple right there. And you can just go from, oh my, block after block after block go down, 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 right under the city. And you see these huge columns that they left there to support, you see, the, the stone above it. This this place, known as Solomon Quarries, most people believe is where Zedekiah fled from Nebuchadnezzar. He tried to, to throw off the yoke of uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, and so he got his young men, and they seemingly were about lost, and you'll find in the Word of God it says, and they escaped between the walls of the, of the city. And uh, this is the place that they believe that they went into this great cave. And this great cave not only goes unto, it says, block after block after block where they took out all of these building materials. But he goes all the way to Jericho. Thank God. Oh, my. And we are told in the word of God that Nebuchadnezzar sent his soldiers after them, and they waited for them when they came out of the cave down in Jericho. And then we know that they took this man, took his sons, killed his sons before his eyes, and uh, then put out his eyes and led him to Babylon. But Oh, don't you think God doesn't have ways of escape to take care of his people? Lord Jesus says, now flee when the Antichrist takes up. And now we find out two-thirds are going to be killed in the land. Nine-tenths will be killed throughout all the world. Now, the book of the Revel- uh, of, uh, Matthew says this. Will you look over to Matthew when this is when the Lord Jesus is going to come to this earth? Not the rapture now, but to this earth. Matthew, the 24th chapter. We do know that the last trumpet that shall be sound shall be shall be sound to gather the church before the tribulation to meet the Lord in the air. Well, you look here now in the 24th chapter of Matthew. This is when, and in the whole context, the Lord Jesus is talking about flee to the mountains. You that are on the house top, don't go into the house. You that are in the fields don't come back and take anything out. When you shall see the abomination of desolation, what is that? This is... As we know, when the Antichrist sits his throne into the temple and to be declared to be God, flee. And he says, uh, "Pray that your flight be not in the winter." Why? Well, he told him not to go back and take anything out of the house. Go with the clothes on the back, and pray that be not on the Sabbath day. Why? Why the Sabbath day? We find out the law has been reestablished, and and therefore. Uh, if they are found over a nine-tenths of a mile journey, that's a Sabbath day journey, they could be slain right there. Warn to them that are with child, give suck in those days. Why? Because their flight is going to be strenuous and it will be harmful to the, those women in such condition. Now flee. Then he talks about such great tribulation and he calls it the tribulation of the great one that no one has ever seen like of it before and never shall it be any after. Now, now, this is what he's saying. Now, will you look there at the 29th verse? Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven shall be shaken. And then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. This is his second coming. Not the rapture. The rapture taking taken place seven years before that. Take the bride up, you know. This is the revelation when the Lord Jesus shall come to the Mount of Olives. Listen to this. And then shall appear the sound of the Son of Man in heaven. Then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. When is this? 29th verse, immediately after the tribulation. Now, this is not the rapture. This is when he comes to establish law and order. Listen. And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect, the Jewish elect. From the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. We're told the very same thing in the 27th chapter, in the 12th and 13th verse of Isaiah, that therefore the sound of the trumpet shall blow and shall gather his people back to Israel. Would you just like to see that? Isaiah, Isaiah 27, very same thing. When does this happen? The 29th verse there, the 24th chapter of Matthew says... Immediately after the tribulation of those days, page seven hundred and thirty-six, seven hundred thirty-six. Will you look there at the twelfth and the thirteenth verses? Now, now, Matthew twenty-four, twenty-nine says it's going to happen after the tribulation, and it shall come to pass in that day, saith the Lord, that the Lord shall beat all from the channel of the river unto the stream of Egypt, and ye shall be gathered one by one, O you children of Israel. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown. This is not the rapture. The rapture is to gather the bride up to heaven. This is to gather Israel where? Back to the land. And it shall come to pass in that day that the great trumpet shall be blown and they shall come which were ready to perish in the land of Assyria and the outcast of the lands of Egypt and they shall worship the Lord in the holy mount at Jerusalem. Oh my, this is when when the Lord Jesus comes back to this earth. Jeremiah says this. That when he comes, he will send out fishers to fish for his people and hunters that will hunt for my people out of the rocks. Oh, poor Israel, whether in the land or out of the land. Those that are stay in the land are going to be slaughtered, two-thirds of them. The one-third that shall therefore be fed in the place that God has prepared for them in the wilderness and in the mountains shall be fed for three and a half years. But God says, I, oh, don't you think, oh, these poor Jewish people throughout all the world, nine-tenths of them still to be destroyed. Just think, nine-tenths of the Jewish people in America. Oh, my, how we shall love Israel and give them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ before the tribulation begins. Nine-tenths of them are going to be killed throughout all the world. They're going to have to hide. And God says, I'll send Hunters for them, and they'll hunt them out of the road, out of the rocks, and out of the caves of the earth. Then Isaiah, I mean, Ezekiel says he brings them back, and they shall look upon me, whom they appears. The whole book of Zechariah, and the book, and those name Zechariah means when Jehovah remembers, and his main purpose was when they were building Zerubbabel's temple, when they came back 70 years after the Babylonian captivity. And everything was destitute. The whole land was gone. The very city of Jerusalem was sacked and burnt and not a thing there. And his main purpose was cheer up. Come on, cheer up. Oh, come on. Now, in this time, he begins to tell about Israel. Now, they have their Zerubbabel's temple when he begins to read this portion in the third chapter. He said, And I saw Joshua the high priest stand before God and he was clothed with filthy garments. Now Joshua the high priest had the breastplate with twelve beautiful stones representing each one of the tribe of Israel. He had Israel upon his heart. Then upon his shoulders he had two other beautiful stones and engraved upon them were six tribes each. And he went before God to make atonement for the people with therefore Israel upon his shoulder. Joshua now, with the people upon his heart and upon his shoulder, but he's clothed with filthy rags. Speaking, therefore, as he's the representative of Israel, that Israel, even all of his righteousnesses, is nothing but filthy rags. Stand before God. And the Lord says, Tell Joshua, and place upon him clean raiment, For I will remove the iniquity of this people in one day. Shall a nation be born at once? In a day, Israel is going to be born again. And the filthiness of Israel is going to be taken away. And all, all the things shall pass away. And she shall be clothed with clean white linen again in the presence of God. And they shall have one whose name is Joshua. Isn't that perfect? Joshua. You know what that means in Hebrew, Yeshua. You know what it means in English? Jesus. Isn't that a perfect? Oh, my, the time. Can you not see the picture that we even have it today? not waiting for Israel to be restored, not waiting for Israel to be saved, but every one of us individually can say that our representative, the Lord Jesus, our high priest, the Lord Jesus, Joshua, our Jesus has been clothed with our filthiness for God made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And God has said the iniquity of you, of me, shall be removed in one day. Oh, praise the Lord. It didn't take a day, did it? Oh, the Lord Jesus became sin for us, dying for us. I, my representative, when he died, I died. We therefore conclude that if one died for all men, then we're all dead.
1: Thanks for listening to Make It Clear and to today's special guest, Dr. Mark Cameron. My name is Stan Pons, and I'm your host and president of Florida Bible College. If you'd like to know more about Florida Bible College and how it has classes on campus, online, and even on site, please visit our website at floridabiblecollege.com. That's floridabiblecollege.com. We're also very grateful for all those who support Make It Clear. It's through your prayers and financial support that we're having such a local and global impact with the truth of the gospel that so clearly states salvation is, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. Well, if you've trusted Christ as your Savior, and you would like to be a part of helping us get this message out to others, you may send your gift to Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. That's Make It Clear, Post Office Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Or you can go to our website, MakeItClear.org, that's MakeItClear.org, and use the secure donate link. You may also request your free devotional called The Word for You Today. Well, thank you so much for listening today and be back next time for Make It Clear.
0: You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries and president of Florida Bible College in beautiful Orlando, Florida.